Welcome to the Reaching the World Bible Church podcast. This is Pastor Henry and Ella Looney. Our prayer is that you enjoy the word for today. The doctrine of Christ. What do you mean, Pastor, when you say the doctrine of Christ? Well, doctrine simply means, uh, and this is more of my definition along with the definition, my beliefs and corresponding actions that should govern decision-making in our lives. Do you realize that God has given us a roadmap uh, 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 to, to govern and lead our life? What roadmap is that? The Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. That's what should govern our life. A lot of people don't realize. A lot of Christians don't realize that. They think a Bible is just something that you take to church every now and then and that you have a big one on your coffee table and it'll get dusty and sometimes uh, mom or grandma or somebody will go in there and sweep it off and uh, dust it off or, or turn a page over, over there. But not necessarily anything that you would read a whole lot, but not anything that you really want to pattern your life to live by. But as Christians, the Bible shouldn't just be a nice decoration on a coffee table. It shouldn't be just something that we bring to church on Sunday morning. It should be what we look at and what we, what we see and pattern our lives after and seek the direction of God. Again, my beliefs or our beliefs and corresponding actions that should govern uh, us making decisions in our lives. And we are going to talk about, and really the focus today is going to be on one of the fundamental doctrines of Christ. One of the fundamental doctrines, and we're going to get to it in just a minute, and it is, we're going to talk about the laying on of hands, and what that actually means, and some of the things that it doesn't mean. And I'm just going to refresh it just a minute, just due to time sake. Time sake, I'm not going to go back and reteach what I've already taught, but I'm going to remind you of, of some things so to help you understand in case. How many did not hear two weeks ago on Wednesday teachings? Raise your hand. I want to know if you did not hear it. Okay, so that's the majority of you all didn't. So I need to refresh you just, just a little bit. In talking about laying on of hands, one of the things uh, most folks, you see ministers do that when they're praying for folks, and that is, that is a, 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 a special ministry where the anointing of God should be uh, in action in the lives of people when they receive. But the laying on of hands is a fundamental principle of the doctrine of Christ. What he has called us to do and things that we can receive from this are so important. That's one of the six fundamental principles that's mentioned in Hebrews 6, verse 1 and 2. And I'll read that and remind it of you. What, what, what is that, that passage, Pastor? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 and 2 say this. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, maturity. That's what that means. That's referencing. Maturing in the things that we do in this life. It continues on to say, not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Verse 2 says, of the doctrines of baptism and 
of laying on of hands and a resurrection of the dead and of eternal life. We see in these two verses six fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ. And they're very important. They're very important for us to understand. In this verse, Jesus told the disciples then, when he was on this earth, uh, through uh, in Hebrews, he, and he's telling us now there are some principles that we ought to live by, spiritual principles they ought to have. And I'm going to briefly just touch on them. I went over scriptures on these in our first teaching, but I'm not, I don't have time to do that now. But I'll mention them and just, just uh, you'll see a, a, a comment about them. Number one, uh, the first fundamental principle is repentance. Repentance, this leads to the new birth experience, to being reborn again. You have to repent or, or get in a position to repent before you can receive and the new birth experience. Pastor, you mean I got to call out all my sins that I've committed? And, no, I didn't say that. Repentance is a mindset. You don't even remember all the sins that you did. No, none of us do. So you don't have to name them one by one, or even after you get born again. He gave us First John one one nine that that uh, that uh, if we were to messed up, he said we need to be quick to repent and go back to him and ask us to forgive us. The forgiveness came in Jesus taking care of what everything, all sin has been paid for. I'll touch on that again. Number two, faith toward God. Faith toward God. The Bible says we can't be saved without faith. Another scripture says it's impossible to please him without faith. So we must have, operate, live by faith. A lot of times when people say faith, they think you're just talking about what type of religion you are, whether you're a Presbyterian or Catholic or whatever. No, when we reference in this faith in God, we're talking about how we should live our life. You know, God has given us directions to help us to get to any point in our lives that we need to get to, to accomplish anything that, that we're believing God, that he's told us to do. He empi he's empowered us to do those things. Number three, bapti uh, the doctrine of baptisms, the doctrine of baptisms. And the Bible mentions there are three baptisms spoken of in the New Testament. And I went over what they were. Simply, I'll go, go over them very quick, quickly. One is the new birth, when a person is born again. And two is when a person, well, when a person is born again, they're baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. Uh, two, water baptism. And most folks are familiar with that because after you get saved or born again, you, uh, everybody, it, it's, it's, a, it's a part of a doctrine that we should have water baptism. And water baptism is an outer showing or an outer sign of what happened to you on the in, inside. Water baptism by itself doesn't save anybody. I said this when I taught on Wednesday. Uh, some folks have went into uh, the baptismal pool, or as they said, a baptismal font, water, 
a dry sinner, unbeliever, and they got dipped, immersed, and then they came out, but yet they were then just a wet sinner or unbeliever because they did not have an experience on the inside of being born again, birthed spiritually. Pastor, you can get baptized in water and not be saved. A lot of folks have. That's sad because they didn't understand. That's the reason when we baptize, and we're probably going to be doing that sometimes in, in the few upcoming months, so if you haven't been baptized and you, need, and you need to, the first step is acknowledging Christ as your personal Savior, being born again. And then the third baptism that the New Testament mentions is the baptism in the Holy Spirit or uh, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says with the Bible evidence of speaking in other tongues. And that's not a bad word. It's not anything to be scared about. It's just what the Bible calls the first initial signs of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Praying or being able to have a prayer language that God will give you. And that's an endowment of power. Pastor, that's interesting. It is. I'll teach on that sometime. Number four is the laying on of hands, and we're fixed to teach that. Number five is the resurrection of the dead. We are resurrected from death into life. That's what the baptismal immersion, full immersion, represents. From being buried, dead, coming up into life. And number six is eternal judgment. There is an eternity to come. And it's going to last forever. Look at your neighbor and tell them this. You have an eternal life in your future somewhere. The question is, where? <laughs> Amen. It's only two places. Heaven or hell. My prayer is that everyone under the sound of my voice in this room, everyone in the e-church, everyone that I ever encounter, I do my very best to share the good news of God's saving grace and mercy where you can be born again and saved by all you do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus paid the price and you can have life eternal forever. Do you realize this life is the shortest thing that you will ever do? Loved ones that were born again, if you're saved, you're going to see them again in paradise. But when I say that too, I have to say this. Loved ones that died not knowing Christ, if you're saved, you won't see them again. Because their death took them to a place called hell. Well, the Bible talks about how terrible it is. I'll say this too, because this is important for us to understand a little bit about the difference in heaven and hell. For the Christian, this earth is the only hell that we'll ever experience. It's nothing that's ever going to be any worse for us as Christians than what this world is today. But for the unsaved person that dies in their sin hasn't made Jesus the Lord of their life. This earth is the only heaven that they will ever experience. 
That's a drastic change, isn't it? Hell is going to be, the Bible talks about gnashing the teeth, burning with fire forever. Because it's a total separation from God. No more Holy Spirit to comfort us. Here on this earth, he's the comforter. That's the reason we need to find out about these doctrines. And I taught on them and talked a lot more than I did just then on them. But just due to time's sake, I can't. Go back and listen to two weeks ago Wednesday on Facebook and YouTube on the Doctors of Christ. And you see the scriptures that I went over. And I talked about each of those except for this one. Number four, laying on of hands. Laying on of hands, Pastor. Is that what it sounds like, laying on of hands? It is, in a sense, yes, to where we minister to each other through the laying on of hands. But it's more than what most people, most churches even imagine. A lot of times you see in church services, almost every um, Christian church, you will have laying on the hands of separating folks into ministry, laying on the hands of separating folks unto jobs like uh, ushering or being a deacon or deaconess and hands are laid on. But in most, I won't say most, but a lot of those churches, it is that laying on the hands is just something that's become a ritualistic act. In other words, it doesn't have much meaning to the people that are doing it or it doesn't have the empowerment of the giftings that God wants for us to experience and have. Laying on hands has meaning. It has power. We need to have that understanding. Two examples in the Old Testament that I want to look at. And one of them is very, is very <laughs> and you're going to say, well, why did you use that one? But in Exodus 29, verse 10, Exodus 29, verse 10, look at his name, sir, are you getting this? Because this is important. So put your, put, your, put your ears on and listen, your spiritual ears in here. Exodus 29, verse 10 says this, and thou shalt cause a bullock, uh, a bull, a uh, bull to be brought before the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron and his sons, they were operating it as priests at that time, shall put their hands upon the head of the bullock. They laid hands on them. Verse Exodus 29, verse 15 says this, Thou shalt also take one ram, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands upon the head of the rams. Pastor, they put their hands on animals? Why would they do that? Well, when we read these particular things, they were imparting things. We read here that the imperfections of the worshipers were transferred by faith. Look at your neighbor said, by faith. They were trusting God to the sacrifices. These were going to be sacrifices that transfer a transformation of the empowerment, in this case, imperfections of those that were being prayed for. The sacrifices were being made for were going to be transferred by faith to those animals. 
the sacrifice of those bullocks and these lambs, what was that about, Pastor? That was a type of Christ. The perfections of the sacrifice received by faith by the man who laid hands on the sacrifice, it was demonstrating or transferring God's power that affected those people in two-way transmission. Pastor, is that real transmission? Yes, I've seen it happen. Not only laying hands on folks to get healed, but laying hands and parting on folks. I, I, Pastor Ellen and I were so blessed when we got prayed for uh, and ordained at Raymond Bible Training College. My father in the ministry, Dr. Kenneth e. Hagan, laid his hands on us and prayed for us. Pastor, why is that such a privilege? Well, the great respect that I and a lot of other folks have had and have for, for Kenneth E. Hagin, who is known as the modern-day father of faith, having him to lay hands on us, we knew impartations were transferred to, to, from him to us. One of the things that we do and that we're continuing to do, he, he, he died and went home to be with the Lord in 2003. But one of the things that God gave him as a, 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 on assignment is to go teach his people faith. And we, as help in helping him, Pastor, you're in helps ministry? Yes, helping Brother Hagen and the Kenneth Hagen Ministries to teach God's people faith. Pastor, you're a fivefold ministry gift. Yes, I'm a teacher and, and, a, and a pastor. Yes, that's, that's two of the fivefold ministry gifts and operate in different, different areas at times as the Spirit wills. But I'm also in helps ministry to help him to impart and teach you, God's people, faith. How to live, how to move and have their being, how to function, overcoming, speaking to situations, speaking to circumstances, calling, healing, deliverance into our lives, teaching and understanding that the laying on our hands, that's one part of that. It shouldn't just be a ritual. When we do it in ordination services, it's not a ritual. It's a transferring of the anointing. Ushers, greeters, whatever it is. We pray for all our leadership. We pray for our leadership, uh, even that came that, that, that helped conduct the pre-service to, today. I said pre-service, but the beginning of the service today. We pray, and we came into agreement. Anointings were transferred. Empowerments, giftings. You, right now, as the word of faith goes out, are receiving transference of anointings. And if I were to lay hands on you, that's a specific type. I, I, as I preach that, I sense in my hands that anointing. I sense it in my hands. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help you to sense those impartations in you. It may you have may have different sensations in your hands. Brother Hagin was, was blessed and God told him to tell his people that he had a special anointing for healing that he, when he appeared to him, 
he touched the palms of his hands. And there were special anointings that were imparted to him. And many healings and deliverances came as he ministered of with the laying on of hands. That's one way of receiving your healing. But the laying on of hands is more than just, and I say just like that's more. If you're sick and you get healed, by however way it is, whether it's the anointing of laying on the hands or by you, and the best way is by hearing the word taught and receiving it and then acting on it and taking it for yourself. Amen. It should have been shouting and running when I said that. Most folks don't realize the best way for you to get healed is to hear the word, receive it, understand it, take it, and believe that you got it. And act like you're healed. Well, pastor, I don't believe that. Well, you never get it then. Some people think that they, well, you know, I, I don't, you know, I just tell them, preachers, I don't believe. Well, oh, you're not hurting me or any ministers trying to help you. You're hurting yourself when you disbelieve what the word says. Because if an anointed man or woman of God ministers the word to you, whether it's laying on the hands or any other way that the Holy Spirit leads them to, it's to help you. Look at him say, he's talking to you now. But we see here, we see here, these were animals that this two-way transmission took place in the Old Covenant. In Exodus 29, uh, 10, 15. Then in verse 19, it says this, Exodus 29, And thou shalt take the other ram, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands upon the heads of the ram. Again, impartations. And then we see in Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, you'll see it on the screen. It says, and Joshua, the son of Nun, notice this, was full of the spirit of wisdom. How did he get full of the spirit of, of wisdom? For any way for us to get full of the spirit of God, and wisdom is a, a, the anointed uh, of God, God's wisdom, is because you spend time in his presence. You read, you study, you hear the truth. You hear the anointed word of God. Pastor, that means every time I go to church or any church I go to, I'll, I'll, I'll hear the anointing. Uh, you should hear it reaching the World Bible Church. You will. I can't speak for everywhere else. I used to say, it doesn't make a difference where you go to church. But I stopped, I stopped saying that because it does. There some place you go to where... If it's no real word being taught, faith does not come. Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. Me getting up and reciting a poem or getting up and tuning up and uh, going into a sing song uh, preaching session with you. That won't give you anything unless it is full unless those things are demonstrated and the word of God is going forth. The yoke destroyed burden moving power of God. Now, some folks uh, do minister that way and whether, whether it's in what we, traditional, what we call sing-song type ministry and they're preaching the word. That's truth that will transform, but not everywhere. And you have to be wise and be led. That's why you say that, because it's truth. Are you coming against anybody? No. I'm trying to bring, bring understanding. 
and the importance of being where God told you to be and hearing what God tells you to hear. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. These doctors of Christ are important. Moses had laid his hands upon him. Again, this is Deuteronomy 34, 9. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. What God told Moses, they did. The most common practice in most churches, I say, lay hands on folks. And, and when they ordaining or separating people to positions in ministry or offices. But when the anointing is there, not just a ritualistic folks going through a particular process that they learned in Bible school or they read just reading something and there's no impact of what God is doing in the lives of individuals, that's ritualism. How many know you can be ritualistic about anything? I'm ritualistic about getting up on the right side of the bed every morning. I mean, left side. My, my side, Pastor Ellis gets, gets up on the right side. Every morning, I get up on, I, I get up on the, on the uh, left side of the bed. I always put my arm on first, my spiritual clothes. But I'm ritualistic about getting on the left side. I don't, even if she's out of bed, I don't get up, I don't get up on, on, on the right side. Why? Because that, that's just something I do. That's, that's a ritual. What does that mean? Doesn't mean anything except I got up off the left side of the bed. A lot of folks, when if, unless they recognize the transference of the anointing of God, they sense and know the empowerment, the graces, the mercies, and the understand that and are believing by faith that they receive something. That's all that is to them. But here, we need to recognize that something mighty occurs when men of faith lay hands in the name of the Lord upon those who have faith, trusting and believing in God's word, receiving that impartation. And God gave us some precedents in the new covenant where he talked about those things and what they meant. It shouldn't just be going through a process. It should be an empowerment of faith and trust in God's word. And the anointing will destroy yokes and remove burdens. That's how healing comes when you believe and receive the empowerment of God. But that's also how empower, em, empowerment of peace. As I'm speaking and teaching the word right now, some of you have, are sensing more of a peace than you've had all week long. Why? Because of the anointing. Sister Ellen, I pray that the peace of God would be transferred to you. It's, it's an anointing that will destroy yokes, not just break them. Anything that's broken is a possibility. If it's just broke, it can be put back together again. But if yokes are destroyed, you can't be yoked up into bondage, that bondage anymore. And that's what the empowerment, the, the transference of the power of God occurred. You said precedence. Precedence in the word, Pastor? You mean precedence. What do you mean by that? Examples, types, Jesus showing what will occur in the New Testament. In Acts 13, verse 2 and 3. Acts chapter 13, verse 2. You get some things out of this? 
I'm taking a little time, but this is important. Acts 13, verse 2 says this, as they ministered to the Lord. And first, in any minister is ministering to people, he should be ministering first or through the Lord because you have to spend time with him. You cannot continue to give out spiritual blessings or impart anything to anyone unless you fool yourself with those spiritual blessings. That's the reason Pastor Ellen and I, it's so important for us to read and study. And, and, and she's, she's a blessing to me because she spends so much time and it encourages me and helps me too. And that's the reason we encourage y'all to get in the Word and read the Bible, read through the Bible every year, study the Word, read. We do devotions. I have devotions that I do almost every morning that I do as far as that. And read the Bible and, and hear. There are certain teachers that I feed on that teach the Word that feed my faith and starve my doubts to death. My prayer is that the reason you're here, you enjoy feeding on the word of God that feeds your faith and helps you to know that no matter what the devil tries to do to you, that God has given you the power through his word by his anointing to overcome. You can speak to devilish situations and overcome. We're about to close. But notice what he said in Acts 13, verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, fasting, and I've taught on fasting, what it is, and, uh, you know, for, it's important. Fast, people talk, well, I, I'm fast so I can make God do something. No, fasting is not to make God do anything. We fast, so we separate ourselves from you, it's a lot of different kind of fast. People, you can fast from, uh, uh, the Bible talks about pleasant food or uh, uh, something that, uh, that, would, that you uh, would spend your time with. You, you give it up for a while. Not to force God's hand, but so that you can get in a place to where you can hear God clear. You, you put away things, maybe the internet for a while. You, you take your phone and cut it off for a day. Oh, dear Lord. Some of you, you don't know if you, I don't know if I could do that, Pastor. Yes, you can. If God leads you to. <laughs> Amen. I'm not trying to get you to do that against your will. Uh, well, unless your will is wrong, uh, I'm supposed to correct and reprove, reprove and even rebuke, rebuke. If God tells you to do something and you don't do it, you know, that's, that's a problem. That's called sin. I remember the time he told me it was a, it was a Saturday morning during football season to cut the television off. For you, that might not have been challenging. But for me, when he told me that, and thank God he hadn't told me that but, but once that I remember, that I heard anyway. Amen. <laughs> During football season? Alabama and Auburn's playing? Football games? God, what you trying to do to me? Sometimes God will check you out and see what really is your God? I love to watch. Y'all know I love to watch college football, but it can't be my God. The pestilence came back to me again. But, uh, and let me say this too, meaning no harm about either. You know, love Pastor, love Chris. Y'all know I ooh, do anything for him, protect him, anything. But they can't be before God. 
my spouse, my son. God has to be first. We're talking about doctrines of Christ that Jesus did. The laying on the hands. But it's a lot encompassed in this, isn't it? In this type, he said, notice what he said. Again, this is Acts 13, verse 2. Let me finish. He said, the last part, it says, separate me, Barnabas, Barnabas and Saul, for the work of, for the work whereunto I have called them. Well, Pastor, God called Barnabas and Saul. God called us too. He called every believer to the ministry of reconciliation. Every believer, we're supposed to help people to see and get born again. Verse 3 says this in Acts 13. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Impartation took place. It wasn't, this wasn't, uh, this was separating them unto a particular job to do, a ministry. But it was imparting empowerment and graces to them. You see so much. The doctrine of laying on hands does not end with just ordination of ministers or deacons. As I said, some churches also believe in laying hands on those being installed in certain church offices. We, we, we lay hands on, on folks and do that. And we see that occur too in Acts chapter 6. For deacons, you see Acts 6, seven men were selected and separated deacons to run the church? No, that's not what deacons are supposed to do. You read Acts 6, they were selected, anointed men with good reputations to serve and minister and wait on tables so that the ministry gifts could spend more time studying and reading the word. Deacons, the office, real office of a deacon is, is kind of like what our ushers do. It's to serve. It's to help. It's to minister. And that impartation of laying on hands is, is part of that because it freed those ministry gifts, the apostles, to continually more and have more time in prayer and study so that they could do and hear from God. But that ministry gift of helps of deacons, ushers, greeters, uh, whatever, that's an ministry in and of itself. Amen? It's important. Look at the name and say it's important. People were filled with the Holy Spirit. You saw that in Acts 6 and Acts 2. They were filled with the Holy Spirit when hands were laid on them. It's not the only way you can be filled, but that is one way. I said all that to say this, and I'm going to stop. I'll probably teach some more along those, these lines because they're important. I'll read Acts 8.17. They laid hands, Acts 8, chapter 8, verse 17. They laid their, then laid they their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Acts 19, 6 says this, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Transmission 
of empowerment took place. So, sharing this with us today, and I'm going to share a little bit more. Christmas, we talk about the ministry of laying on hands, healings, imparting the giftings and callings of God. It is so important. It's a doctrine of Christ. Jesus taught the disciples, the importance of doing these things. He demonstrated it himself before them for, for three years as he ministered. Laying on the hands is a significant part of ministry. It's real. But it's like anything else from God. It's by faith. You trust in God. You believe and you receive. If you don't believe, you won't receive. Look at your name and say, I believe. And I receive the blessings of God. Amen. Let's stop. Let's stop. By his, let's pray. First step of receiving anything from God is by making him your Savior and your Lord. And it's simple to do that. God tells us and shows us how in Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13. What occurs is when you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus paid the price for you and you make him your savior, invite him into your life and he comes in by faith and he cleanses you. Pastor, don't have to give him all my sins. No, you don't even remember all of them. But you just have to receive by faith and ask him to forgive you of whatever that was unlike him, and he will. I'm going to ask everyone to stand up and repeat after me these words. Maybe you've never done it before. If it is, this is the first time you're just, you're just joining a new family. The E-Church, I want you to stand up wherever you are and do the same thing and repeat after me these words. Father God, right now, I confess with my mouth I believe in my heart that you died for me. You paid the price so that I could have life and life more abundantly. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me my sins and cleansing me of all unrighteousness. I am saved. I am free. I'm a brand new creation. Amen. I remember the first time I did that, y'all. It was like a 10-ton weight lifted off my shoulders. It was like a 10-ton weight lifted off my shoulders. And I said, wow! I started smiling. Was you in church? No, I wasn't at church. I was in the dorm room. I was in college. Had you been praying for in church before? Yeah! But I'd never had that experience before. You can have it in church, but you can have it anywhere that you mean business with God. Some of you, you may have just, how I many just sense a fresh, a new refreshing right now? Praise God. Amen. 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 That's the power of God. That's that impartation that we were talking about. God just demonstrated. That's what, those, that's miraculous, y'all. A lot of times people are looking for signs and wonders, and they're looking for the spectacular and miss the supernatural. Supernatural changes your heart. Life changes. Your life is never going to be the same again. Never again. Never again. When you mean business with God, God means business with you. 
Amen. We got some materials. If that's the first time you paid that, we got some materials in the back. I don't want you to leave without getting those three mini books we want you to give you. And uh, you'll see them on the screen here in just a moment. Uh, New birth talks about how, what it is being born again in him, what, what, who you are in him. Why tongues talk about the prayer language. And then you see on the screen, you see that QR code that will will um, you can scan with your phone and it'll take you to a video where I talk about those things. We encourage you. If you prayed that prayer for the first time. You need to get in a good Bible, believing Bible, teaching Bible, training church. Hey, and we got one right here. And we invite you to be a part. We say, welcome to the family. We say, welcome to the family. All of you for the first time, we say, welcome to the family. And we, we want to get to know you. We want to, want, want to help you in any way that we can. But especially, don't leave without getting those three mini books. Especially if this is the first time you prayed, prayed that prayer. You sensed that refreshing like you never had before. That was God letting you know. That your life just changed. You just went from death spiritually to life spiritually. You became a brand new creation in Christ. Amen.